Hi, and welcome back to Bo My God. I'm Bo Bradley. This is episode four. Can you believe it? I appreciate everyone being so nice and flexible about releasing this podcast a little later than normal. As we all know, this was supposed to be out on Saturday, and because of current events, it is uh, now actually Wednesday, Thursday. So, you know, better late than never. To give a little recap of what happened last week on episode three, we spoke with Lizzie, who's a medical student from the UK. We talked with her about biological sex and how it's determined. And then we also spoke about the history of gender neutral pronouns, tracing them as far back as we could, even like before the current numbering system. I always feel weird talking about this because ever since Rose told me that it's not BCE anymore, it's BCE. And so I don't know what to call that, so. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, if you haven't seen the last episode with Lizzie, check it out. Don't forget to check out the first three episodes of Oh My God, if you haven't already. They are all available wherever you found this one, but on most podcast apps. Uh, Stitcher, um, let's see, should be on iHeartMusic. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Buzzsprout. Just search. Thanks. <laughs> okay, so to give you a little bit of an introduction in this week, we have another guest. We'll get there in a minute. First, I wanted to talk to you about some mental health statistics because one of the things we're going to touch on today is mental health. Um, so these are all from the National Institute of Mental Health from 2017 study across the United States. In 2017, there were an estimated 46.6 million adults, which are adults aged 18 or older, in the US with any mental illness. So that's representative of having one prevalent mental illness, not the comorbidity, not anything else, just 46.6 million adults in the US, at least 18 years of age, have reported having a mental illness. That's 18.9% of all adults have at least one reported mental illness. And that's reported. So obviously that is, as we've talked about before, underrepresented. The prevalence of having a mental illness was higher among women versus men in these studies. There is no gender nonconforming or other option, neither other, both, nothing like that. But for the sake of this study, 22.3% of women reported this versus 15.1% of men. Young adults ages 18 to 25 had the highest prevalence, excuse me, which is 25.8% compared to adults ages 26 to 49, which was 22.2, and ages 50 and older is 13.8. The prevalence of mental illness was highest among adults reporting two or more races, which was 28.6%, followed by white adults, 20.4%, and is the lowest among Asian adults at 14.5%. And please remember, again, this is disproportionate to whoever responded. It's disproportionate to who was able or asked to be a part of this study. So we just can take it as what it is. Also, one of the things I wanted to talk about is, so we had, what, 18.9% of the adult population with a mental illness. Well, out of that, 11.2 million adults aged 18 or older have a serious mental illness. So this is something that literally affects them on a daily basis, something that inhibits their thought processes or their emotional regulation or any number of things. but is considered a significant mental illness. So it's a mental illness comparable like a significant disease or injury to another part of the body. So this is an, an illness in the brain that is serious, is prevalent among 4.5% of all US adults. That could be rounded to 5%. 5% of adults in the US have a serious mental illness, reportedly. So again, underestimated. That's just too big of a population to just not, not have, have answers for, or a, I mean, mental illness and mental health reporting and research has come, 
I don't maybe want to say a long way, but it's it's come a way <laughs> since where it started. So it's it's something that I take personally and really from a research standpoint, from a educational standpoint, from a public health standpoint, from a personal standpoint, I'm just very interested to learn more and do more and help more because this is just a, an area of healthcare that is just significantly underrepresented when it comes to care and related topics. And then the last statistic I want to present to you is that talking about adolescents with mental illness because we are going to talk to a high school teacher today. And just for your awareness, 49.5% of adolescents were diagnosed with any one mental disorder or mental illness. So that's literally 50% of adolescents. Now, there are things that make the teen brain a little unique as to why this is a little greater at that point. One of them being the brain is still maturing and growing. It's still reaching its biggest size, even though they're learning all this information, your brain is, is not fully developed when you're an adolescent. It doesn't fully develop until you're in the, your early 20s. So it's, it's learning and adapting and it's because of this is also more vulnerable to stress. So teens need more sleep than adults and children do. The teen brain is just, it's adapting and forming and creating and growing and and there's a lot going on. We have hormones and puberty and it's, there's a lot going on in an adolescent's body. So it makes a lot of sense why there's such an increase in prevalence of mental illness in adolescents. I think another reason is because they're not personally responsible for their health care in most situations. So a parent or a guardian, a caregiver typically can, can see that something is not going on. I'm sorry, or something is wrong or something is like not where it should be. And so it's more likely that a child who is not acting typically or what is assumed to be typical in today's society being taken to the doctor to find out kind of what's going on. So on that note, so before we bring Amanda on, I wanna first tell you a little bit about her. Her pronouns are she and her. She is an ally, a student, and a teacher. She is a high school English teacher, an avid runner. We'll talk about some athletic stuff later. And we'll also talk about school a little bit later as well. So the first thing I want to do, hi, Amanda. Hi. I want to I'm talk so about excited. Yeah, we're so excited to have you. I just said we, like I'm more than one person. That's all. I'm excited enough for more than one person. <laughs> it's everyone. It's everyone that's here. Yes, everyone is excited for you to be here. The first thing I wanted to talk about is like how we met and how we know each other. And that's taking it back quite a few years. So long ago, probably 20. Yeah. At least. Because when did you start swimming? When you were? I was seven. Okay. It was before the summer before second grade. Wow. Yeah. That so, was yeah. So I was seven. That's so long ago. And then, yeah, I, we started the summer team in 2002. Okay. Yeah. We started, oh, I don't even remember if we did winter or summer first for those that don't know what we're talking about. Amanda and I were on the same swim team. We were on the same summer team. We were on the same winter team. And for one year we were on the same high school team. The best overlap. That was the peak of high school swimming was that year. <laughs> I, got two or three, three years, I think I swam in high school. Okay. One year I had knee surgery, so I couldn't, I was out for the season, which I think was my freshman year. And then I swam sophomore, junior and senior, but I had to sit out half of my senior year because I tore a muscle in my shoulder. Wait, I don't remember that. Yeah. I, I came to like all the meets and just cheered everyone on. But that's so nice. I mean, that's who you are as a person. I feel like that's the perfect analogy. <laughs> I only remember that because my senior picture in the yearbook is literally me in like regular clothes next to everyone. You, you look you look nice and we all look like drowned rats because it was like after warm-up and they're like let's take the photo and I'm Always. like okay. Let's take team pictures after we've all been in the pool with our wet hair and our caps. I mean we're in our truest form so it was at least accurate but I was like wow we all look like we've like little rats. 
<laughs> well, and also the swim team, our high school swim team is so good now. Like the girls team, I don't want to say they were undefeated and speak out of turn. But if they weren't undefeated, which I'm 90% sure they were, they were pretty dang close. That's incredible. And they won the last chance meet because that last chance meet was my points and they won that meet. Mm-hmm. They're so good now. I'm so proud, but also I'm like, uh, the good old days when we won one swim meet. Good old tie. Oh my God. Who was your favorite swim team coach ever? I'm curious. I don't know. That's so hard. There's a lot to pick from. I know. We had so many. I really like Teresa. Okay. And I also feel like because when she was coaching, it was just, it was like, I was, we were still young enough where it was so fun. Yeah. And my parents weren't swimmers. So like they got into it as we got older, but like they didn't know like <laughs> times or anything or like the logistics of it. And they learned a lot and they were really involved, which was great. But like, that was when it was just like, we're just having fun and hanging out and it was summer and it was, you know, warm out and stuff, but I'm trying to think. Yeah. And I, I liked Ty a lot. Cause he was just like the reason he was just, he was just there to like, do well but also like you do your best and if your best isn't good enough that day like that's okay you still did your best like he wasn't like we have to win and we have to do this he was great for facilitating like the creation of our team yeah getting it going and not worrying about like oh we have to be the best but like let's build a program right exactly and even he was like you like there were some people that are like I've literally never been in a pool ever and he was like that's okay yeah and they would, like, they would be fine. Nobody, nobody drowned. Everybody was okay. And, like, honestly, some people, <laughs> like, there were kids in your year and my year where they would be, like, I've never set foot in a pool before. And then in, like, two years, they were, like, oh, I'm going to go swim D3. And I was, like, Casual. cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But awesome. it, it was just, it, it was, it was just having fun. Yeah. It was this whole sport where there was the most, like, everyone can be here attitude. The fact that it was COVID, yeah, I think just making it so that like everyone had a chance and it wasn't just like with all the other team sports I've done, I feel like there's always like the little click of mm-hmm. who always starts or whose parents are the coaches or all that kind of drama and politics. That happened after you left, which is why freshman year was the peak and it was just all downhill yeah. from there. And it was fine. Like I wasn't trying to swim in college. I thought about it my sophomore year. It would have been D3. I wasn't like, I'm going to go like D2, D1. Like I knew it would be D3, but like my junior and senior year, I just was like, I was so over it at that point. And I was like, it just, yeah, it is what it is. But that's You've why year rounds in second grade. <laughs> I know. Well, and then my freshman year, I still did it year round. And I told my parents, I think, I don't even remember if I swam the summer after my freshman year. I don't think I did. I told my parents, I, cause like they weren't pushy. Yeah. Like, it was just, like, kind of, like, okay, we'll do it and see how it goes. And I told my parents, I was, like, there's no way. And, like, we had, like, a new coach for the club team, and, like, that just wasn't clicking. And I also was, like, I just want to, like, be in high school. And my friends were great, where I'd be, like, oh, I just swim meet this weekend. And it, like, wasn't a big deal. But I was also, like, not that I was, like, get, hanging out every weekend, but I was, like, I want to, like, go hang out with my friends. And my parents were, like, okay. And actually, no, I didn't work this, I didn't swim the summer after my freshman year because I worked because I got certified to be a lifeguard when I was like almost 15. So I worked and that was, and that's why I told my parents, like, I want to work. I want to teach swim lessons, like make some extra, like spending money. My parents were like, okay, like sounds good. And then, you know, my sister didn't. So many people come and go, but then there's also so many people that are there the whole time. And there's some people like you who are great to be around for a long time. But then there's other people that you're just like, okay, after 10 years of swimming with you, I've had it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. I know, but it's so true. It just gets, cause I would think about that sometimes where I'd be like, wow, like, like you know, maybe some people who were like, on the team who like, maybe were thinking about going to like a private school yeah. for high school, but then went to the public school. I was like, man, like I wonder what the dynamic would be. Not in a bad way, but I just was like, what if you weren't here? Like, this is all like fun and games and then there are people that were like really really serious and it was just like weird because it was like I feel like the team should be one or the other right that's a like you it's too much of a different dynamic to like cohesively yeah well I remember the one year 
there was one swimming I think it was actually I remember we were at I remember what high school we were at and because they had a pool and somebody got I was doing my event which was breaststroke that was like my thing Mm -hmm. and I was in the a lane because the normal a person they had them like doing something else but then somebody dropped breaststroke to like switch into something else and then she got like put back in because like the girls went with the girls and the boys went with the boys and then I remember like being in front of lane four which is the a lane she was like why are you here and I was like this is my lane like (laughs) I was also my freshman year this was my lane like leave me alone like I was like I don't need to be the best but it was just I was like because like they put me in here two days ago right like it's not like in football where like the lineup changes like you get put in the available lane yeah like I was like I know you're gonna kick my butt like you don't need to remind me (laughs) (laughs) yeah I I know it just makes me think of like swimming horror stories I remember when I came back after my knee surgery, there's one time I did a flip turn and I pushed off the wall <gasps> and oh God. popped out of place in a meet. Oh my God. During the 500. Oh, so you were like, I have 16 more laps to do. This is great. Right. I just remember literally just like floating on my back in the pool and being like, I'm, I just decued myself. There we go. Nothing I can do now. <laughs> just Right. And it's like, do I keep going or do I put my knee back in its socket? Like, I don't know. <laughs> Ty was probably like, what? A, I mean, because he's had, he had knee surgeries before he yeah. coached us. So he's probably like, I oh, get you. Like, Yeah. Oh, going back to our conversation where this started, my favorite coach ever was like the original coach Matt from the Y. I love him. I only yep. had him for a season. That's it? That's it. Oh it was a season. And I forget if he had, like, a job that he accepted or, like, had to go back to school or whatever, because he was young. He was. I remember him leaving, but he was, like, he is the reason why I stayed with the swim team and, like, because I started as an eight and under, like most people do, and, like, you either, I feel like, get really into it or don't, and with him, I was, like, super really into it, and I think, I want to say maybe I was, like, a 12 and under when he left. That makes sense. Speaking yeah. of high school, we both went to the same high school, obviously, because we were on the same team. And I just kind of wanted to touch on this a little bit because I feel like we're going to touch on like grad school and all that, maybe. I don't know. But, mm-hmm. <laughs> but what, wanted, wherever we land, we land. Right. I just wanted to touch on education because both when like our high school experience and maybe like what you've been doing now just to make it more inclusive only because this is just like this fascinates me just like hearing you talk about how many things are different now than like when we were in school and it's just like I I don't want to say that our high school wasn't inclusive but just like I don't remember ever like learning about anything I don't think we did I mean I know we had the gay straight alliance which was a club yep but I think that was really it yeah and it was really small and not mm-hmm. many people really like wanted to be a part of it right I even thought about being a part of it I didn't think it applied to me because I was like so I don't even know like sheltered isn't the right word but I was just, like so under a different impression of what being gay or any of that meant that I just like didn't know myself then or like who I was even though my friends seemed to know which is funny but Mm -hmm. well and I think that there was just I don't know if it was just like miseducation but I think also just a lot like wasn't said so it was kind of like okay we had the club and that was that and I just feel like with social media I feel like everything and people like it's social media but I think it's so true like information is disseminated in so many different ways than it was when we were in high school. So even though it wasn't that long ago, now there's just so many more resources. And also, like, mental health wasn't talked about. And I feel like if you didn't follow, like, the standard path, like, you were just told, like, not to talk about it. Or not, maybe not told, but, like, given the impression that you shouldn't talk about it. Because now I feel like, and there's definitely things that can be done, but I think it's so different. Right. Um, and even for race too, like I took African-American studies, but that was an elective. Yeah. So you didn't have to take it. It was every other day for the year. So it was like a good like chunk of time. Yeah. But I mean, I wouldn't have learned about Emmett Till in high school or other 
things that they just don't teach you if I hadn't taken that class like things that should be a part of history class it might actually I don't know if it was I think it was a newer class when I took it the first ethics class I took at Penn State I was sitting in there and we were talking about diversity and inclusion with different races and talking about like high school and different people's high school experiences and like where racism racism exists where it doesn't what people thought what we all thought then compared to what we all are learning now (laughs) and it's just like I remember sitting there and being like my high school was diverse like there were black kids there and they were nice and we talked and hung out and we were friends and it just like there didn't seem to be any issue. And then now that I realize like how much is included under the umbrella of racism and it's like, why didn't anyone teach us any of this? Right. No, it is. Even between like black and African American. I didn't Mm -hmm. learn this year. I'm almost. Yeah. I didn't learn until this summer. Like how? (laughs) And I always, I always had a feeling that there was like, it's not just, they're not just mutually exclusive, but I never knew how and I would try to look into things and try to like self-educate I'm I'm a Google University person but at the same time you know I would find resources and I'd be like why isn't this like required reading for everybody that lives yeah do you so I know you have been including like queer authors and talking about social justice social justice etc in your classes but can you share like what is happening now to kind of combat this in classrooms or at least in your yeah (laughs) oh yeah I mean no I feel really lucky because I work with people where we're always sharing resources like I feel like what I had heard when I was going to school was like you know yeah like people will share resources but a lot of times it's like this is mine Mm -hmm. and then like I'll share it with you because like we have a good rapport but like I'm not just gonna like share it whereas when I got hired I was like, I was hired two weeks before the school year started and I was literally given like a Google drive. Wow. And they were like, here's literally everything from like 2011 to now. Wow. Okay. You know, do what you want with it. Use things, you know, like for a syllabus, for example, it was like, here's my syllabus. Here's a syllabus from like two years ago. Change your name, like change the name, start with that. And then like next year, like if you want to you know, add any like little special things, like you can do that. Um, but I was really helpful. And even now, like we're always sharing resources. Like I found this like article that was interesting or one thing that we can do too is we can switch curriculum. Mm-hmm. So I don't necessarily have to get state approval. Okay. I remember when we were looking at swapping one of the books I was teaching a few years ago, we are always talking, but we also don't want to do something but then have it seem like we're just doing it to be like performative right because we do talk about these things but it's like you're walking a fine line and I think too one thing that's going to happen is that like it's going to cause a big shift in education in general yeah so like back to like you know not necessarily needing like obviously like we have like you know we go through the state we like give outlines and things and like you know we have like criteria we need to meet but at the same time like the actual like books and things like we have a lot of control over like I remember because I was used to like public school mentality and I was like okay I have I'm gonna have like all these reasons why I think we should include Virginia Woolf and swap out like A Tale of Two Cities and I had like all these reasons I was like about to like do this PowerPoint and then I talked to um my department chair and she was like oh no like I think that's a great idea because it's not like it's a good place to start because it's still a white woman, but it's a woman. And it was like the only female author because women couldn't write for so long. So, you know, and we weren't just going to say like, oh, we added one woman author, like check the box. But it was like, this is a great place to like start. Right. Um, Because it's it's hard when you, it's hard to just like turn everything on its head. You're working with a really old system. Yeah. And that's another thing too, is like trying to work within that system is going to actually be meaningful versus like checking a box. Right. Um, so we've done that. Um, I did read Virginia Woolf in high school. I know she's a queer author and she was actually openly queer in the early 1900s um, when I feel like it was not super accepted at all. And her husband actually knew and was very accepting and was like, yep, do your thing, like whatever, you know, you need to do. Um, they were a part of the same, it was called the Bloomsbury Group. So it was a group of intellectuals and artists 
Um, and they were considered kind of like off the beaten path for the time, but you know, she's really cool and I love talking about her. So I teach two texts by her, one to one class and one to another. Um, and then I also teach a book called Zenzeli, A Letter for My Daughter. And it's by a neurosurgeon from Zimbabwe. Wow. Who just also happens to be a beautiful writer. It's like, you're a neurosurgeon. You're really intelligent in your own right. And then also a beautiful creative writer. So it's like the right brain and left brain just like merged together. So I have been really lucky because I can focus on like, what are we doing? Is it meaningful? Is it inclusive? Yeah. And then like, especially with like these big curriculum revisions, I think we're just going to see across the board. It's like, okay, like what can we do next year to make this like better? So, I mean, and that question has a bigger answer, but I feel very lucky that I can really focus on like, how do I make my students feel included and comfortable and accepted and supported? And also like, how do I teach them to support others? Like that's the focus, not like, because like we teach Beowulf, but then we can teach Grendel Mm -hmm. like, and have them coexist. And it's like, okay, Grendel's treated really poorly because he looks and sounds different than everybody else, but he just wants to be accepted. Right. Like, where do we see that today? And then we can take like contemporary, you know, news articles. So I would have loved to have you as a teacher. Like, oh, thanks. (laughs) All of this makes so much sense. (laughs) And I mean, and I also feel lucky because I work with people that like want that. Yeah. You know, that are like, okay, how can we be more accepting and so I think it's going to be a balance of like working within those confines yeah but then also like I think we're going to see that branch out especially in the next like decade which I think is awesome but I feel lucky that like as we branch out like there's already things that we're doing yeah and that we can like build off of I'm not going to say it's like oh we just are perfect and it's enough but like there's things that we're doing where I'm like you know we're already I'm like okay we're already like doing some cool things like now how can we like right take it like from like this like kind of little ball and make it like bigger so that's awesome one I forget if it's fifth grade or third grader there's one year in elementary school that students in the state of Washington go on this like outdoor like camping learning about our planet kind of trip that's so cool. Right? Could you imagine just like going out into the wilderness and just like learning cool stuff about it as part of your curriculum? Like that's so smart. Why? Whereas we went to the creek that like was underneath the YMCA for a day in ninth grade and they were like stream study nature. And I was like, okay. And it was like, you just like waited in the stream. I remember being in middle school, they were doing construction on the high school and we like went out where they we're working on something and there's just all this mud and we were like looking for bugs or something in the mud. Oh my God. And they would be like, this is a retention basin. And I was like, we're literally in the muck of the school, but that's great. I would love to do that. And I feel like it's something everybody needs to do, like, especially more hands-on things. Yeah. And how many kids wouldn't have had that opportunity if they didn't get to do it with school? Right. Exactly. Because there are things too that are just I don't know. It's like, do your parents have the money slash resources slash time to like do it? Right. And that's not always the case. So if your school is able to like, just provide it for you. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Do you see anything being done in school now for like mental health as far as like relating studies to that or? Yeah. I mean, I would say that I think the guidance counselor role has become more important in a good way where students are more willing to, I mean, and this isn't, I don't want to generalize, but I feel like, like, I think I talked to my guidance counselor twice and I was like, Hey, can you like, please like send my transcripts? Yeah. Thank you. And that was the extent of it. Whereas like, there's the chances of a student reaching out to a guidance counselor and being like, can I please talk to you about something that's not like school related? I feel like is higher. Like, and I'm sure other, like, I'm sure certain schools and certain students and certain places like that, might not be the case but I think it's the statistics of like students talking to their guidance counselors is higher than it was wow yeah that's awesome that's necessary (laughs) oh yeah well and I also feel like too like students are really they're not necessarily gonna like shout from the rooftops like hey this is going on but I feel like they're also more in touch with themselves yeah like they're more in touch with like feeling anxious and feeling overwhelmed and I think 
nowadays, like I never asked for an extension ever. Yeah. I've just been like, oh, well shoot. Like I got to do it. But like, and again, not to generalize, cause I'm sure there are kids that like still don't feel comfortable doing this, but like, you know, I've had kids be like, I really need an extension. I need this for like me. And I'm like, okay. Like, it's not like I was playing video games or whatever. And like, like, yeah, I think, and we try to teach that a lot. Like, you know, advocating for yourself and, you know, having an in-person conversation and reaching out and, you know, doing it, like being able to advocate for yourself, which I feel like I didn't learn until like the last year and a half. So I feel like if that's, (laughs) and I mean, still even like as a 27 year old, it's not easy, but I feel like, and I'm sure it's not easy even younger, but I feel like the kids are being taught at a younger age. Like you need to, it's it's not enough just to like think for yourself, but like you also need to advocate for yourself and like be vocal about it. I definitely, like in that era of my life, I thought I was advocating for myself, but I was just kind of arguing. (laughs) I know. Well, and I remember being not passive aggressive, but like passive where I'd just be like, okay, like, I don't think this is good, but like, whatever. Like, I guess I have no choice. Right. Exactly. I never felt like I had a choice in anything. And that's Mm-hmm. probably a lot of why I am. I know. <laughs> I know there are times where like, and I just feel like my students are so bright. Like I was not even close to being this, like not even just like intelligent and in, like an IQ sense, but even like an emotional intelligence or just like an awareness. I was like, nope, didn't have this in high school. Like did, probably didn't have it for the first half of college. Um, but the fact that you have this now is like pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I tell them that all the time. I'm like, you know, way more than you think you do. Um, amazing and it's so cool that you like can see that potential in them and like say that I feel like it's really important to have that reflected back at you oh yeah when I think too there are times and you know regardless of where you teach or who you interact with like sometimes that might be the only time someone's told that that day and it might not be for like terrible traumatic reasons but like sometimes like maybe it's not the only time but it's different when it's coming from somebody like that's not in your inner inner circle yeah definitely the reason why I ask this is there's only one time I can remember ever doing anything for my mental health in high school at the school. And that was really because of outside factors. So I don't know how much you know about my senior year of high school because I kind of went AWOL a little bit. And I essentially overachieved my entire career in school to the fact that I had everything except for a science and English. No, I needed one math or science and in English, and that's all I needed to graduate Okay. by the time I got to my senior year. <laughs> and they're not just going to let you leave. They're going to be like, you need to fill five more periods. Yeah, well, so they gave me, they let me do an internship, which okay. I did with a friend from the firehouse owned their own business. That's what I thought. Yeah, Okay. well, for a little while, and then, <laughs> actually, okay, I'll just start at the beginning of the story. So, <laughs> I was having problems with mental health in high school and I didn't know what it was and my parents didn't know what it was and I'm adopted and that has facilitated its own issues in communication and kind of just getting along with my parents in general, especially at that point in time. And so I tried to drop out of high school and move in with a friend and just like at 17, I decided that I was just going to like be an adult now and I tried to get emancipated and it was like this whole big thing. I, my parents had the police out looking for me. Oh my God. It was, it was bad. But long story short, at the end of this, my mom was like, I'm taking you for a psych eval at the hospital because normal kids don't do this. And that's what she just like kept saying stuff like that to me that of course did not help. Well, yeah, then it's hard because it's like, well, if I'm not normal, then what I am, what am I? Right, exactly. Which I realized has been like an issue for me my whole life. It's just like this perception of what normal is. And now I'm just learning that there is no normal, that we're all just different and that that's a good thing. And I feel like that's just like, it doesn't get said enough that it's good that we're all different. So anyways, after this, I went for the psych eval and everything was fine. They just told my mom that I might have some anger issues with her, which was <laughs> okay. not, not true, but like that wasn't the yeah, there's more to it. Yeah. yeah. So they started having me see an anger management therapist and she came to the high school to the guidance office and they called me down there because I refused to meet with her like with my mom so they brought her into school and my class I went back in this room and she just like kept asking me all these questions about my mom and I was like I honestly will talk to you about anything but my mom I just don't want to talk about her right now and they were like 
or she just was like not getting this and just kept asking me about my mom. So I left and went back to class. They called me down again. It was like two or three days later. And I literally got so upset with this lady that I screamed at her that if she didn't stop talking about my mom, I was going to beat her up. I know that. I don't blame you. <laughs> this like little high school girl, just like, I'm going to beat you up if you talk about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> but literally I was just so like, it was awful. And I just thought that looking back now too, it was just handled so terribly and just like to blindside me. I had no idea. They just pulled me out of class and then just like sent mm-hmm. me about my way. And it's just kind of like, I really hope they're doing more than that now. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. I just, no one ever talked about mental health. No. And I feel like even now, you know, I don't know if it's, I feel like some places will do it better than others. And I think it depends like geographically if you're in like a more like liberal area or not, but I feel like even like our parents too, like they were taught, like, do not talk about it. Which was also put on to us. And then now mm-hmm. our generation is just kind of figuring out like, no, actually you, you should take care of this. Right. And I, even, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like our generation, we're kind of like, okay, whatever. Like, this is me. Like, I'm not going to like sit here and be like, don't ever talk about like a therapist or anything. And then our generation's like, so when I was in therapy, like when I saw my therapist on Tuesday, like we had a great time and X, Y, Z. And like, we just are like, whatever, like, this is me. This is how it is. All the like things my therapist said memes, they're my feet. Yeah. Oh my God. Or some people, like I listen to a lot of podcasts when I'm running and people will be like, oh, like when I was talking to my therapist the other week, they'll be like, this is really expensive advice. So like, take it. And, I'm, and it just, it's just like the destigmatization that's going on so important and I think there's a lot of like some like there's a lot of like humor in it and people are using humor to kind of like make it so more people will like accept it because some people won't accept it unless it's satirical even though it is serious but like yeah the so, humor I think makes more people accept it exactly as a first responder you're exposed to trauma all day long and then they just expect yeah. you to go along with your daily work and just go back to everything like everything's fine and for the longest time, I was like, this is just the way it is. If it bothers you, you're like not cut out to be here. And then I realized that I was just living completely in denial of my own like trauma and experiences and like the things that mm-hmm. affect me. And it's now that I haven't been on the street as like an EMT or a firefighter for over a year, and I'm just kind of more in a management role now, it's like, it's really started to hit me how many things I have been like holding on to or remember or like, like I can re- picture exact images of someone's living room of a house I was in when I was 16 for like 10 minutes on a call like that's crazy yeah like how but I don't remember what I had for breakfast yesterday (laughs) right exactly I know my memory and I was reading about how mental health really affects memory and I was like "Mm, this makes a lot of sense because my long-term memory is fine but it's I feel like not as good as other people's and for a while I'd be like do I just have a bad memory like maybe but then I was like oh my God, no, this all makes sense now. Like mental health is tied to your um, memory. And I was like, this makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it really does. It's like, cool. It's kind of like eerie in a way. It's like, oh, I know. So that's why I do all the things I do. <laughs> no, I definitely agree with that. And I think it's so funny. I'm really like, just like, let's throw the curtain off. But like, I don't necessarily talk about my own mental health. Mm-hmm. But then also I feel like, when I wonder why people don't get it, I'm like, because they just, like, they're assuming my brain is, like, normal. They're assuming I'm thinking a certain way when I'm not. And, like, it's different. Yeah. So I've also kind of had to check myself in that way and be, like, but I think it also goes vice versa. Like, we can't assume that everybody thinks, acts, or is a certain way. Right. But just, like, the majority of the population doesn't know to think about that. Like, it's mm-hmm. just not something that they conceptualize. And it's, like, right, exactly. mind-blowing to me. To just like think like that makes so much sense this is why I get this way or this is why I'm so anxious or just mm-hmm. yeah I explained it to a friend a few years ago where if you're on like a scale of one to ten when I wake up I'm at a five like on my best day on the best day of my life I'm at a five yeah and like maybe once in a blue moon I'll be at a four but like when I wake up I'm already like when whereas you know a lot of people will wake up at like zero to two or maybe even zero to like two and a half. Like mm-hmm. I'm at a four or five, I'm at a five. And then on a really, really good day, like once in a blue moon, I'm at a four. Right. So like it's when you're already starting at a certain level. Yeah. It's literally like you're trying to fight things before they're happening. Mm-hmm. Like anticipating and like being defensive against things that just aren't coming your way. 
because you don't yeah. have a choice. Your brain's just telling you impending doom is coming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, that's a really common piece of OCD is your brain already being like, what if this really bad thing happens? Or like, what if this really bad, like that's, I, this isn't the technical term, but it's like a dystonic thought. Okay. And I remember even having them when I was little, yeah. like, and I think part of it is my mom's sister died when I was seven and she had cancer and her and my mom, I mean, they were absolute best friends and she was like my, she was my person. Yeah. You know, like we would see them every other week at the least once a month. Um, she lived in Delaware, so it wasn't super far. And she would call my mom or my mom would call her. They talked really regularly. And I'd be like, give me the phone, give me the phone, give me the phone. And my mom was like, can you like calm down? Like, I will give you the phone, but like, you need to wait. Right. And normally I was very like, Hey, like when you, like if my like grandma called or something, I'd be like, Oh, like, can I talk to her when you're done? My mom'd be like, yeah. But I would literally be like, give me the phone, give me the phone. And my mom's like, I will. Like I always do like chill. And my mom would always say like, she would ask me like, Oh, what did you do in school today? I'd be like, Oh, nothing. And then I would get the phone and I would talk my aunt's ear off for an hour. And then my mom would be like, so what did she do today? <laughs> and my aunt's like, you don't know. And she's like, she didn't tell me, but like, she just like babbled to you for an hour. Um, so she was like my person. Yeah. Um, and so, and even I say this, like it's all, it's been almost 20 years, but like every day yeah. that affects me in big ways, even though it's been almost 20 years. Yeah. And I didn't even really conceptualize that until a few months ago that yeah. like, Literally. cause I would, I think part of it is like, you know, into like when we were kids, like you know, Greek counseling, stuff like that was never yeah. talked about or people didn't do it. But then like, wow, like maybe if that had been an option, like what would, you know, I don't think things would necessarily be drastically different, but it would at least be something. And I remember like, you know, my dad walks a lot. And as a kid, he'd be like, oh, does anybody want to come on a walk? And I mean, I would regardless, but like, I literally was like, what if something bad happens to him? Like, I want to be there. And I would go. Yeah. And I didn't even realize until a few months ago that that's like, that's like, of the compulsive disorder yeah and that that is literally just like like trying to handle something like that at seven it's just like I've been learning how even though your brain can be like fully developed and you're like in the present tense there can be like little parts of it or little thought processes that are literally like stuck in the past just yeah definitely routed or re or so you're just like handling certain situations like you would when you're younger I keep saying you and I don't mm-hmm. mean you specifically I mean no I know what you mean yeah you like plural, plural you I do that all the time even yeah. with students I'm like you but like I mean you plural they're like <laughs> you know like we get you at this point um yeah but then also I think about it too and not that it's like a good thing but like I'm definitely more empathetic and sympathetic yes like if I know someone in my life or like, you know, a colleague, a student, a friend, whatever, like, I feel like I'm more sympathetic. Yeah. Because pick up on others emotions a lot. Yeah. And even as, even as like a teenager, I'd be like, I'm really good at reading people. And it sounded obnoxious, but like, no, like, I'm really good at reading. Like I can tell someone's mad. Yep. Like, even if they're trying to hide it. And I feel like, you know, part of it is like, you know, having that emotional component because I'm like, well, my brain's not firing in that way so like I know your brain's not right now <laughs> yeah and I don't even know what else to say about it because it's just like it's a drag <laughs> mm-hmm. well and there are times where like I wonder because like you said in the beginning you know I run and like running is my running will always be my first love like fall and spring was when my mental health was at it's like absolute lowest point yeah. and so really like during that time I think about it I'm like the only thing I had was like running I also feel like it's something, and everybody has their different thing, but I don't know. It was very, like, therapeutic for me, and it still is. Yeah. One thing, too, also, like, I don't, like, pick up my eyelashes when I'm running. Yeah. Like, I I feel like when I run, I feel, like, the most normal. That's good. But then also, like, I've gotten, so, like, when people hear how much I run, they're like, are you crazy? And I'm, like, honestly, I'm, like, there are ultra marathoners and people that are, like, chasing FTKs, which is fastest known time, and they're literally running up mountains and running 50 kilometers, like, I'm not even close, like, there's no, especially, like, up a mountain. Yeah, trail running is such a thing here, but I literally trip on these trails walking fast, so, like, oh, yeah, I would, too. I'll fall off I don't have, I don't have the hand-eye coordination, so there are times where people be, like, how much do you run, and I'm, like, listen, like, this has been, like, eight years, 
I think too, it's something that like I've really built over time, but again, it, it just makes me feel the most normal. Like I don't, I don't pick at anything. Like you're I can't in like your zone, doing what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of running, that's kind of similar to your new thing you've been doing that I want you to talk yeah. about. <laughs> oh my gosh. My favorite part of Thursday. I'm so happy. Oh my gosh. <laughs> There's a rhythmic spin studio in town not too far from my house. And they do a bunch of other stuff, like boot camp, boxing, yoga, Pilates. Like, they do a lot. Bar. Um, it's a small business. So it was way more affordable than, like, a soul cycle or something. So it's like, I can afford, like, to take one of these classes. And the first class at the time was free. So I was like, this is great. Yeah. And I was in the class for 10 minutes. And I was like, I have to do this. Like, I have to be on stage one day. That's and it was just... It called so cool. It was amazing. And again, like I'm not, I don't like the stationary bike. It's not my thing. But like once you throw some crunches and some push-ups in, I was like, this is so amazing, so cool. And I honestly thought I was like, oh, like rhythmic spin, like I'll do it like in between, like, because you know, you have to take like some time off from running, like a week or two. And I was like, I'll do it on those like like I'll do it like a few times a year when I'm like taking off. And then I was like, nope, I'm literally doing this, like (laughs) I'm incorporating it into like the routine. Yeah. So I was, and honestly, the first time I don't remember ever feeling like awkward or uncomfortable. I'm sure I wasn't perfect. I'm sure like, especially the sprints, I was just like sprinting. I wasn't like, oh, I should like sprint to the beat. Um, but I kept going and the studio just like, they don't ever talk about like weight loss or like get your summer body. It's always like do better than you did yesterday. Like add more resistance. Yeah. Like, and they're very strategic about it. Like they don't, they're like, that's not what we're here for. Yeah. Like, it's not about like you getting a bikini body. Like if you, if you want to lose weight because that's like your best self and like that will like make you feel good and make you feel like healthy. Great. But like, that's your personal like prerogative. I'm not going to sit here and be like, you all need to like tone those arms. Like, (laughs) so it's a really good message too. And I just like that community aspect of it. It was about like taking time for yourself. doing something for you, which I feel like we don't do. And I know for a really long time, like, and it would, it was fine because I guess my first love, but like for two years, like literally running and stretching was like my only me time. That was it. Um, and so I think it's so important to like remind people that like, yes, like that time. And if you're in in a like spin room or a workout class, like that time's important, but like you should probably take a little more time than that, but like, you know, we all do what we can. And I got certified right before the pandemic. That's awesome. And I knew that like the studio that I go to wasn't looking to hire anybody, but, but I still told them like I'm certified and like if it's a fit and you guys ever need an instructor, like I'm ready. Yeah. Um, and I still am. Like I still, you know, even in my car, I'd be listening to music and I, I could like remember the beat. Yeah. If I listened to a song enough, like – I was like, I would know when to cue something in. And even in classes, I'd be like, oh, we're going to do singles. And they'd be like, singles in fourth. And I like was starting to be able to like, you know, kind of like guess what was going on. Yeah. The pandemic hit, stay at home order. And I thought about it like in April, I was like, I should just like start teaching classes. But I was like, still like very much like taking classes that I was finding. And like some places were offering like free classes and in July, I was like, you know, I think I'm ready. Like, I think I know enough. Like, because it's one thing to have the certification, but another thing to like actually use it. Right. And I was like, you know, I feel confident that I would be able to like lead an effective class. You gave me the courage to get on Instagram Live. No way! <laughs> serious. Are you serious? I've wanted to do it for so long, but I'm like, something about it being live just terrified me. And then it does. And then I'm like, who's gonna? like who's gonna tune in or I'm like are people gonna be like oh my god that's so weird and I'm like you know who cares like right like who cares just do your own thing you're inspiring people in ways you don't even intend to oh my gosh that makes me <laughs> so happy because even I was like if just like one person gets something out of this yeah I we get stuff out of it weekly and I'm so glad oh so I'm sure other people feel exactly the same way I do have resting not nice face though. And like, I definitely still have it in the video. So I'm like working on that. But it's also like, I remember being in high school and people would be like, I mean, you're also working out when you're doing this. So like, yeah, I'm still getting, and also like, I don't have a microphone. And honestly, it's not, the voice inflection is actually easier than I thought it would be. Nice. Cause that was what I was worried about was I was like, when I speak, am I going to sound out of breath? And actually I was like, this is not as bad as I thought it would be. 
Yeah. But it's still, yeah, you're still like exerting like force and effort and yeah. then you're also talking. So everyone should tune in this Thursday onto Amanda's Instagram. One, two, I feel like even if you're not spinning or if you, even if you don't have a bike, you can still do something like hit base because it is a lot of like increments, recovery and then a push and then an active recovery and a push. So I feel like you can still do some type of movement. And even if it's so much just like walking or something like that, you know, there's still movement that can be done. We've been doing different things speak just because we can't be in the gym because of Wi-Fi, but it's just like right. nice even just to have like the accountability. Like even just, I know I want to support you. So like every day on Thursdays at four o'clock, I'm working out. Even if I, I appreciate that. Yeah, but so it's just like, just something sim- like that simple holds me accountable mm-hmm. on Thursdays and then cheerleading holds me accountable on Tuesdays. So it's like right now in my life, I feel very lucky that even without trying, I get at least two workouts a week. Mine. So definitely whether you can spin or not, everyone should listen in and join the Instagram live with Amanda Thursdays at seven o'clock Eastern, four o'clock Pacific. Wow, guys, the time has flown. We have just talked so much that I have nothing else to add to this episode because it's we're out of time. <laughs> so on that note, do not forget to check out Amanda's Instagram. It's at Amanda underscore Sears, A-M-A-N-D-A underscore S-I-E-R-Z. And again, you can go there Thursdays, 7 o'clock Eastern, 4 o'clock Pacific, and she will lead you through a rhythmic spin class for free every Thursday. She posts the video later on in the week. So if you, if you can't make it, then you can catch up. Um, she's just an incredible person, as you just found out, and has a lot of good things to say. And she's a, a great person to chat with or learn from or have a great time with. So thank you so much, Amanda. Can't wait to work out with you. And everyone, please check her out. Thanks again for listening into episode four of Oh My God. Remember to subscribe, follow along, and you can get notifications so that you can find out when the next episode drops. You can find us on Instagram. We finally have an Instagram account for the podcast. So it's at Bo, B-E-A-U, period, my, M-Y, period, God, at Bo, period, my, period, God. Or you can find me at Bo Brads, B-E-A-U-B-R-A-D-S. Thank you guys so much. Thanks for listening in. We'll catch you next time.